On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the pleasure of talking to Kristen Jones from Suit Shop. We talked about marketing, old school marketing. We talked about the funnel, what you can do, especially in the post iOS 14.5, post iOS 15 world, where you actually create funnels. We talked about the kinds of pages you should actually be sending people to. Should you send everybody to your homepage? No, no, absolutely not. Unless you're some Goliath brand where people need to go to your homepage. Maybe, maybe you do it then. Anyway, we had an awesome conversation. This was great. Stay tuned. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I have Kristen Jones from Suit Shop on the uh, podcast. Kristen, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So for people who know nothing about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes. So like you mentioned, I am Kristen. I'm the director of marketing at Soup Shop. This is a role that I've only been in for about a year. But prior to that, I was full-time freelancing with brands all over the world, doing Facebook ads, um, very strategic email flows and email marketing in general, anything retention-based really. And then prior to that, I had worked at a e-commerce SaaS tool that allowed me to work with hundreds of brands like at a time. I was in an account management position, again, running Facebook ads, creating content for emails, etc. So in the last six or so years, I've probably worked with more than a thousand brands total, some on smaller scales, obviously just doing a little bit of consulting and some on very deep scales where I'm strategizing pretty much their full funnel, whether it be on Facebook, email or content strategies. Great. So for for people who don't know anything about Sue Shop, can you tell me a little bit about your target demographic, what you guys are doing over there? Because I want to get into a few of the things that we were talking about before the episode today. Yeah, of course. So as you might know, the pandemic kind of shut down the wedding industry. But once we got back, now we're going into our busiest year ever for weddings in 2022. It's like the biggest wedding year since I think the 80s or something is what the wedding report just put out. With that being said, traditional wedding suit options usually lean towards the rental side of things where everybody's renting their suit. Next day, they're having to bring it back. Suit Shop is a solution that allows you to order your suit to own it for $194, which is about the average cost of a rental suit. So you get to keep your suit for the same price. We are a female founded brand, mostly women in leadership as well, which is really awesome. I love getting to work in that type of environment. We suit anybody and everybody, which means we sell our suit pieces as separates. Traditionally, suits are sold as one piece. However, in this case, you can order 
If you wanted to have like a more androgynous style, you can order a men's jacket with women's pants or vice versa. You can order an extra long top and a short bottom if that's how your body's built. So we try to make sure that we have the most inclusive size options of any online suiting retailer. With that being said, we can get you a suit within you know a week if you're express shipping. So if you're in a pinch because everybody else is out of stock, you can come to us and we're going to get you suited up. So I guess as summarized as it gets with Suit Shop, our primary demographic, like I mentioned, is going to be weddings. We do suit anybody and everybody, but weddings is our bread and butter. You know, to like put it simply, if you can sell a bride or a groom or just one person in, that's getting married, then you essentially get to sell five to six people in their wedding party naturally and subsequently. So it's like a very nice marketing setup in terms of that like acquisition cost. So absolutely. I'll, I'll bet you that the average order value is through the roof comparatively to some other brands. Is that right? I would say yes. Our average order value as we see it in like Shopify is scaled downward because we offer free swatches. So like someone can have a $0 order. So it kind of scales, uh, brings that back like the average down a bit. But I would say like the typical order is between like two and 250, depending on if they're getting just the suit and jacket or if suit jacket and pants or if they're getting like a vest, belt, shoes, etc. So anywhere from two to 300 is the average order for us. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's talk marketing because I'd really like to take advantage of your expertise in marketing while we're talking about this in relation to Suit Shop. So there's a few things that we were talking about before the episode that I'd love to get into here. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you were talking about was, you know, when you go in and look at ad accounts, all you're seeing is this super broad targeting. You're seeing really high bounce rates yeah. from some of these, especially like the VC backed companies. And I'm just, I want to do a quick aside here. We have seen that ourselves, right? At our agency, at our brand. Anytime we're looking, we're, you know, kind of in high acquisition mode right now. Those VC backed companies, they are not efficient. They're not efficient. They just have all of this money. They're totally fine. You know, having $200 CPAs. Oh, it's fine. We're going to get them on the back end. Well, are you? Do you know that? Like, do you have the data to back that up? So I think now, especially post iOS 14.5, now post iOS 15, I think that we're really realizing that we actually have to be good at marketing. You have to find people who are good at marketing and actually understand. So Kristen and I <laughs> want to walk you through um, yeah. some of those strategies. So let's let's talk about that, if you don't mind. Yeah. So like Jordan mentioned, I, I see a lot of ad accounts. You know, I've seen anything from the small mom and pop business that spends $300 a month, which by the way, is not really going to move the me- needle for you. Hate to break that too. But I've seen that all the way up to people who are spending thousands of dollars a day. You know, there is a huge difference, I would say, between what those two people are, how they're going to be targeting and what things are going to be looking like. And lately in the industry, I've been seeing a lot of this super broad targeting. A lot of Facebook ad gurus and and people on Twitter especially are really pushing for this broad audience targeting and bid caps and all these things. And I agree, those are great strategies in some situations. Like in some cases, they can be really great. And I agree, but I don't think that they apply to everybody. And it like hurts my soul when I personally see an ad account where someone's come to me and just been like, can you look over this? We can't figure it out. Tell me what you think is going on. And I get into their ad account and they are spending less than $1,000 a month or maybe right at $1,000 a month. And their past agency or freelancer has them in this super broad audience situation where even with hundreds of dollars, they're not getting a purchase because they're just doing this very high level top of funnel broad audience targeting like you would if you had 
money to blow. So something that I personally like to focus on, we do this at Suit Shop in our marketing. And a lot of times it'll be a really good starting place for somebody if they have a lower budget and we're trying to figure out what's working for them. I think this is great for testing, but I like to build out like a full funnel. And this is more of like a traditionalist approach in my opinion, because it's again, more common to see this broad audience targeting than to go through and and be optimizing for events that aren't conversions. Like I will probably get hate for that, that like I'm not optimizing 100% for conversions all the time. But with that being said, I like to kind of start at the top. I think a lot of people that are especially in a smaller business and maybe aren't as familiar with Ads Manager don't understand how cheap it is to get a video view. So if you have good content, whether you paid a lot of money for it and you had a full production or whether you made it with your iPhone at home or if you made a slideshow on Canva, it doesn't matter. If you put something in a video views campaign at the top of your funnel for just like a couple dollars a day, you're literally building yourself this huge audience that now you can retarget later at multiple steps. You don't just have to retarget them once, you can retarget them a number of times. So you're building this. You're not going to lose that audience because of iOS 14.5, because that's on platform. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's interesting because this is yep. all like anybody who started advertising on Facebook back when Facebook advertising first started. This is what we did. <laughs> this is all we like before yep. the pixel. Uh, what, what was it even called before the pixel? I, I forget what it was called. But like be- before that, it was like, <laughs> this is the things you had to do right? It's the same thing. We're seeing the same thing on TikTok, right? Those are the best audiences, right? Get these great video view audiences and then start moving them down the funnel. Yeah. And it's, we call it old school marketing. It's actually called marketing, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Just called marketing. (laughs) (laughs) It's traditional. But no, you're exactly right. And that's where I learned that, you know, I learned that as a strategy to begin with was when I worked at that SaaS company I mentioned with all these brands, a lot of those smaller ad accounts that only had three to $500 a month, when they weren't getting purchases, or they weren't getting clicks, or there's this like hair growth guy that I remember working with that really this was the first time I saw this in action. He was spending like $5 to get a click, like not a purchase, like a click to his website. (laughs) Like it was so bad. He had terrible imagery, but he went and got stock photos and stock videos. I remember there was these like, it was like an Amish looking guy, like two Amish looking guys that had like this long orange hair and they were like laughing and their hair was very full. And he's like, this is going to go viral. And I'm like, I don't think that's the term we want to use here, but sure. I put that in the video views at the top. And then when we were retargeting those people for clicks, his clicks went down to like 20 or 30 cents. Like, you know, it, it made a huge difference. And that was the first time I saw that the impact that a video views or brand awareness type of campaign at the top can really have on the rest of your funnel. But again, like you don't have to necessarily retarget those people for clicks. Personally, I do. I retarget those people that saw the video for clicks and then try to yeah. get them to spend more time on my site before putting them into a very split retargeting like warm, hot and cold leads type of bottom of the funnel campaign. Kristen, just walk me through which people you're targeting. I'm assuming these are not like three second views, right? How much are they actually watching of the video before you start retargeting them? So you can do a three second view. I've, I've seen results with as little as three seconds. You can also do a percentage view. I see a lot of times with the videos that we produce that we actually have a majority watch through to at least 75%. And sometimes in most cases, even to 90%, you might see like a 25 to 50% drop off at that like very last 10% is what I've seen for the most part. Like people got the gist by 
by that point. They're like, whatever, buy another tip. Don't put your CTA at the very end of the video. With that yeah. being said, you know, you can retarget or build an audience based off 75% view or 50% view. Honestly, anything past 25% that you haven't lost, good chances are they're going to stick around to at least that last like 10% of the video. So I think that just depends on like what level of commitment you want in that retargeting audience. You don't like I said, like three seconds can still get you a very broad audience. If you're going to retarget the video views campaign into a traffic campaign, I would say the quality isn't like in terms of length that they've watched isn't as important. If you're going to retarget someone from a video views campaign directly into conversions, I would say that that is a bit more important to consider how long did they stick around if you don't want to waste, you know, dollars. Yeah, so your your funnel, and this is different than what we've talked about before, and, and I think that it's actually really timely, especially with everybody scrambling with iOS 14.5, right? And, and thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, we can no longer just like throw an ad out there and it's going to be like a three to four ROAS no matter what, right? N- yeah. Now we actually have to be a little bit more strategic about that. So what you're saying is video views in the top, retarget those with link clicks, and then move to a conversion campaign? Can you yep. walk me through that? Yeah, that's like what I prefer to do personally. I don't think that... Everyone has to do that. I think that you could go right into a cold retargeting situation. I think this also depends on your content. The content that you're putting in these various points in the funnel is also very important to how this is going to perform for you. At the very top of the funnel, I'd like to get as informational as possible. Some people might want to drive like a solution problem type of content at the top of the funnel. For For us, we have two videos that run at the top of funnel. One is like a very informative, this is how it works video that we spent a lot of money on to have produced. And then one is a very, very cheap and actually outdated video that I made on my phone, literally just going, if you're getting married, this is for you. And like on my video, and it did super well on TikTok. It got like 60,000 views unexpectedly. It drove our site traffic up by like 20% that night. And I reused that in our ads for the top, very, very top of the funnel. So, so once you kind of get on from that top of funnel, I think depending on what content you have in there, if you want to get more granular and explain the process a little bit more because you have a longer sales cycle, then you can put them into a traffic campaign. For us, our sales cycle can be anywhere from 30 days to six months. Sometimes we even get in front of people a year before they're actually going to be in the market to purchase their suit. So for us, we have a long sales cycle. It makes sense for me to retarget for a traffic campaign. Now in the traffic campaign, typically I break this up into a few different audiences. I might do that super broad audience targeting that we spoke about as part of the budget. The other part of the budget might be a lookalike with targeting on top of the lookalike. That actually does the best for me almost across the board in any ad account I see is if I build a lookalike and then narrow the targeting to what I need. And then I might have another one that would then have some of those retargeting audiences in them. And then so that's like more of the traffic. Again, just giving them more information, maybe some unboxing, maybe some personal experiences from people, maybe some reviews in there. Just depends on, again, if these are going to be people that are getting retargeted from that video that I mentioned, or if these are going to be like first time traffic, you know, getting clicks to the site. Now, from there, where you land that person is also incredibly important. If you're, if my ad is talking about swatches, then I want to land them on a swatches landing page. If my ad is talking about, you know, set up your wedding group, then I want them to hit my wedding group landing page. And same thing goes like across the board. If you're talking about a benefit or, 
you know, a specific product, like making sure people are landing where they are expected to land is super crucial also to how they're going to perform not only in this audience, but again, if you're retargeting them further later, that's also going to impact their experience in the funnel as well. Yeah, totally. So for all the haters out there who are like, no, 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 you should be running conversion campaigns the whole time. You're totally wrong. We don't believe you. We think that this was just a garbage episode. Talk to me about some of your results, because that's really at the end of the day, what matters when it comes to this. Sure. Now, obviously, things have changed. I think on average, I think Facebook is reporting a lot less than what they were reporting prior, you know, to iOS 14. So we'll keep those things in mind. When I first took over our ad account, we were under 3x ROAS. And within 30 days of launching my new strategy with my new ads, we were at a 10x ROAS that carried us most of the way through to May, like April, May. We rebranded. That's a very important note. We rebranded from the groomsmen suit to suit shop in May. And I'm happy to report this is kind of a little off topic, but I'm happy to report that we lost no SEO. We lost pretty much no results in performance. We are on track to grow substantially this year, which I don't know how public we're making those numbers at this moment in time. So I'll refrain. But with it by the middle of this year, we had already hit last year's entire sales. So we're we're having a great year, but the Facebook results were there. Our cost per purchase, like we mentioned earlier, are the average order value is between two and $300. And I'm paying usually around 20 to $25 per conversion event. We mark our, we have, I want to say five conversion events that we track that I'm trying to think just to make sure I'm saying that right. But we have trial orders. You can order a seven-day free trial from us if you are getting married or are the person wearing the suit. We have the swatches. We have wedding group management tools. So if you set up your wedding group, that's a conversion. And then if you set up a book and appointment or if you make a full purchase, those are our five conversion events that we're looking at. Typically for if we look at all of those events, it's like $20 purchase if we're looking at just the purchases, it's about 25 to 30 a purchase. So ultimately, I would say that those ad results speak pretty well. I think we're at a little bit of an advantage, like I mentioned, because if you know how our sales cycles work and you know how our targeting works, if we sell one person, we can sell other people as a subsequent you know, back, oh, absolutely. backlash from that. So I, yeah. yeah, so I think we're at like a little bit of an advantage in that case. But either way, like I said, when I took over our ad account, we were settled between like two and three X ROAS. And then within 30 days, we were at 10 X ROAS, like of me launching Unreal. my new strategy. So yeah, so it's been a really good result for Suit Shop and, and our advertising. Another advantage that we have that isn't the same across the board that I'll mention is that the people are in our funnel for a while. And then once they're in the funnel, they're kind of just like gone. They got married. We don't do a lot on retention. Like some people might buy another suit or two, but until we launch our new colors next spring, it's not that common. We'll see like every once in a while, guy will come back because he's in a wedding or whatever. But with that being said, my content can kind of work and not go stale because we have such a revolving door of people. Otherwise, you have this whole other like battle of like continuously having content for all of these like various steps in the funnel. Absolutely. Yeah, totally get it. Kristen, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? I think my secret to scaling is to listen to your customers. I think there is nothing more valuable that you can do than to 
take that feedback and apply it into your business. That's what's made Suit Shop successful. And then this is kind of contradictory to scaling, but I'm taking this from my friend Eli's playbook. Eli is customer retention, head of customer retention at Olipop or Olipop. I guess it depends on where you're located. He does the unscalable. So if you have these like moments or opportunities where there is somebody who is maybe going through a moment in their life that is, you know, something has happened. Like for example, I saw where somebody lost an incredible amount in one of the recent storms and Olipop went above and beyond and they already had their address. And when someone reached out to cancel their subscription for a while, they sent them some meals. Mm. You know, Chewy does this whenever somebody says, I can't be here. I can't be using Chewy anymore because my dog passed away. You'll see stories of them sending a handwritten card with flowers because they are sending their condolences. So these unscalable things, while in the moment they are not like a self-serving action, they end up coming back in like tenfolds because you have these raving fans. I don't know if anyone's ever read that book. I had to read it when I was a server in high school. But, um, you know, you create these raving fans that go and like sing praises. And, you know, sometimes they create these viral moments. I'm not saying do them to create viral moments. But like these unscalable things have very scalable returns in the long run when you're doing them out of like the kindness of your own heart as a brand. So that's my favorite like scaling trick, I would say. Yeah, non-scaling. <laughs> it, it's so true, right? Like do those, <laughs> do those things because you care and just know that from them, you could potentially actually be reaping incredible rewards, right? Yeah, there's such a fine yeah. line in there. Kristen, I have three more questions for you here. You you may be prepared for a couple okay. of them, but one, but they, they may come as uh, a surprise. So number one, easy one here. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? I had a toss up. I planned for this one. Obviously, big proponent and big fan of Clavio. I love their team. I love their tool. There's so much you can automate and thus scale your business with using Clavio. But I think something that that is important to note here is also gorgeous.io. I think it, they might be gorgeous.io, just gorgeous. Gorgeous yeah. is amazing. Uh, it integrates with Clavio seamlessly. So if you have a lot of these automated emails and transactional emails in Clavio and someone responds, then you have this very powerful customer support tool. And again, I think customer support in those like unscalable moments, gorgeous helps make them scalable. Gorgeous helps you to be able to support people at a level where they rave about your customer service and customer support. And you never lose things like they're just all there. I love these tools as individuals and especially when they're working together. Yeah, absolutely. As everybody probably knows, Gorgeous was September's sponsor and uh, mm-hmm. we love the guys over at Gorgeous. Uh, one thing I could just got a note here. I've had like multiple people reach out to me on LinkedIn saying, hey, I got Gorgeous. I love it. Can you just tell them? I don't get anything <laughs> for this. Just tell them that I that it was because of me. It just I need to make sure that they know that ad, their advertising on our uh, podcast actually works. Okay, guys. So you know, just just do me a favor. <laughs> just write in Jordan West or Secrets to Scaling. It just uh, it does me good. That's all. <laughs> Second question for yeah, you: favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? I am currently listening to a book called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I really enjoyed the book. I had like a, some skepticisms. About listening to it because when I had first looked at the reviews, they were saying that she was whining and like had a weird outlook on the world, but I really love it. She was kind of like a Christian mommy blogger who's now this like lesbian powerhouse, and I love reading her stuff. Um, so far it's been such a good listen. I also really want to listen to Barack Obama's book, but it's a 50-hour listen. So I've been struggling because I only listen. Is it 50 hours? 50 hours. 
<laughs> I want to listen to it so bad. Like his voice is soothing. I And he goes into like his full presidency. I've heard like I was reading about it and he talks about some of those things that we forget as citizens that, you know, the president is a human and a citizen too. And, you know, what are those moments like kind of behind the closed doors? And I really want to understand that I'm somebody who's super empathetic. And it's hard for me to ever feel one way about a president or presidential candidate, because I'm like, we don't know, like inside what's going on. So I would love to hear that book, honestly, one day. And I guess I'm I haven't listened or read it. But I hear I am recommending it to other people as well, because I think it can give us all a lot of insight into what it takes to be a president. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, anyone who's leading companies knows, you know, it's you are at the top, right? You have very few supports. I think that we can all I mean, we're not all, you know, going to be the president, but uh, anyone who's listening to this is most (laughs) likely leading people, right? And uh, a lot of those principles apply. And that's what the important thing is. Kristen, one last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody for an hour, um, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, who would it be? Hmm, Such a loaded question for me. While I'm thinking about what I'm going to make my answer, I think I know what it is. But there was an interview I had once and they asked me who would I put on Mount Rushmore? And I'm like 90% sure that's why I didn't get the job because I didn't know. I did say Michelle Obama and Jesus and my dad um, at the time. But it made me so uncomfortable. I didn't know what to say at the moment. But that being said, I think for me, I would like to sit down with somebody that has built something big that most of us in our lifetime will never get to experience, like someone like Elon Musk or Jeffrey Bezos. I know that that sounds like a cop out and they're controversial people, but like there's something different about the way their minds work to get them to that point, whether it was that they stepped on people or that they built themselves from the ground up. So I think for me, I would want to like just hear like, what is their thought process like? What are they thinking about on a regular basis? And try to just like get a deeper understanding for like, how did you get to this point? And Mm -hmm. like, who did you have to work with to get there? So then even if I don't ever get there, at least I kind of am like, okay, oh, that makes sense. Like, oh, that's why they got there. Or I never want to be like that, you know? So who knows? But I think somebody of that nature. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. I mean, the the sort of, you know, other thing with that is that having a coach, right? Having somebody who's been there beyond, obviously, you know, Elon and Jeff probably aren't going to be mm-hmm. your coach, but having, having somebody who has... <laughs> no. Yeah, gone way ahead of you, I think is incredibly important. I talk about coaches on here all the time. It's the one thing no one is leveraging. Like, I'll bet you 1% of you have a coach that you talk to, you know, once a week or once every two weeks. I will tell you, it is absolutely, um, it's probably 10 extra business since I started working with coaches, right? All all of our businesses, because you you just don't make the same dumb decisions that you would have made. You know, we just about, there was two, one, one acquisition and one merger that I avoided that I realized was going to, you know, I thought was going to cost me about a hundred thousand. That was actually probably going to cost me more like a million because I was only seeing the upside in it. <laughs> and and so there's two examples right there. Probably saved me about two million between the two the two deals. So guys, it, it's it's yep. so much leverage, just so much leverage use, using coaches. Kristen, what I a agree. pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you and more about Suit Shop? So Suit Shop, you can head over to SuitShop.com. Super easy. We also are on most social channels as and most active on Instagram as 
Suit Shop official. For me, myself, I am commonly found pinning or writing for the quality edit, doing reviews on D2C brands or, you know, something around D2C in general on the qualityedit.com. You can also find, I have just started this, there is nothing happening, but Kristen, the creator on Instagram, I'm going to start posting some of the user-generated content that I create for brands. It's something I do on the side for fun. And I probably work with anywhere from three to six brands per week. So I'm hoping to start posting those once the clients have approved them and they're using them for their own purpose. I'm hoping to start posting some of those and giving tips on how to create content that converts on that Instagram channel as well. Sweet. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I was, again, happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me and hopefully we'll talk more soon. Absolutely. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.